the glass and in. Not killing his beat to do. It's a third win against the top ten. And the Orange had him all the way. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into my heart. A three for the win battle. Bang! Boom! As the Orange do it again. The cardiac juice comes through on the road one more time. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Monday edition of Orange Nation. We're brought to you in part by Dunn Tire. Just one guest lined up for it today. Adrian Autry set to join us in about 15, 20 minutes from now. Other than that, phone lines are open. We want to hear from you on Q's Basketball, 315-437-7644. And I, I think we, we can say it now safely, Seth. Uh, the margin for error is gone. Yeah, no, there there is no margin for error. Uh, you've run out of chances, almost. Uh, you've got one left. You, you've got literally one path left. And and I think we were sitting here, you know, even a week ago, right, last Monday, and we said, uh, you know, ourselves, and we said on the air, all right, you're seven and seven in conference, and and look, let's let's face it, you you've put yourself in some pretty good position here if you can pull off one of the big ones, two of the big ones, go two and two, go two and two in these four. Uh, you've already lost your two, so there is zero margin for error for this team to 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 think about making the NCAA tournament. And we got some pushback on Friday for the way we were sizing up Syracuse and Duke. Um, I don't think too many people around town liked our prediction, but let's let's look at what we said on Friday. We said Syracuse was probably going to struggle with Duke's zone. They did. Syracuse struggled with Duke's zone. 0 for 10 from three in the first half. 27 percent from the field. Finished 31% from the field in the game. Struggled miserably. Scored 44 points. We said Pascal Chukwu's got his work cut out for him to stay out of foul trouble in this game, especially if Bagley plays. He fouled mm. out and Bagley and Carter had their day. Played 24 minutes because he was in foul trouble the whole game. And yeah. fouled out with just under seven minutes to go. We and, said, And Bagley and Carter had fantastic games. Yeah. We said it all adds up to most likely a double-digit loss for the Orange, and, and that's indeed what it was. So I know a lot of people didn't like it, um, but we're not here to be fans. We're here to tell it like we see it. We told it like we saw it on Friday, and unfortunately for SU fans, that's the way it played out. Uh, it was ugly. Um, Syracuse... We've seen this. When they don't make shots, it's ugly. We saw it against Virginia in the second game. We saw it against Notre Dame. We saw it against Georgia Tech. Bonaventure. Bonaventure. We, we've seen it a handful of times. When they don't make shots, it's hard to watch. And Saturday night fell into that category. They didn't make shots. And, and honestly, Duke didn't play all that well either. I mean, if Duke played well, that would have been embarrassing. They might have doubled them up. Neither team could make a three. They combined 0 for 20 in the first half. But Duke just pounded it down low, and especially when Chuku wasn't in the game. Now, in Chuku's defense, those last two fouls, ticky-tack fouls, it's unfortunate because it it changed the game. I'm not saying Syracuse would have won. Syracuse was not winning that game. Um, but he it, took him it, off the court. It changed the game, uh, no doubt. Uh, the fact that he was in foul trouble all night long, again, only played 24 minutes. Okay, when so he was in they, there, so maybe he, they lose by 8 instead of 16. When he was in there, he played well. You know, Six points, he had 12 rebounds, he was a presence down low, and when he wasn't in there, Syracuse just could not handle Marvin Bagley and Wendell Carter. And even and Marquise, Mar- Bolden. Exactly. Mar- Marquise Bolden had a great game, Just going to mention him as well. Um, you know, He played well. He only scored seven points, but he was... Again, when when he was in there, he was a force to be reckoned with. Played 12 minutes. Um, they could not handle Duke down low. And 
again, unfortunately for SU fans, it played out the way we thought it would play out. That you know, Syracuse, when they play well, they've shown they can hang in there with good teams, a la North Carolina. That game was at home. They were right there with North Carolina up until the very end. Um, but when they don't play well, they're they are just not good enough to compete with the Dukes and Virginias uh, of the world. They're just right. they, this team is not built for that. No, they're not good enough to compete when everything doesn't go their way. And you look at Wednesday night's game, right? And O'Shea Brissett and Frank Howard and Tyus Battle all played great games. And it took 66 points from the three of them for that to be as close a game as it was. And even with that, it wasn't enough. And that team didn't score in the last three minutes. And they got nothing out of everybody else, right? We, we know that already. And then you fast forward to Saturday. And given that Wednesday wasn't enough, right, and the performance you got out of those three wasn't enough, getting next to nothing out of those three certainly wasn't going to be enough. And, you know, Ty's battle didn't play well enough. Frank Howard didn't play well enough. You know, O'Shea Brissett didn't play well enough. And they just don't have anybody on the supporting cast who could step up and actually do enough to make up for that difference. And it certainly didn't happen on Saturday. And, you know, it's it's a struggle. You know, we've seen time and again this year, if one of those three is off, it can create issues. And in this game, I, I would say all three of them were off, right? All three of them had off games. The only player that I think you could look at from SU and say he played well, I think is Chuku. Yes. And, you know, and it's hard to say he played well because he fouled out and he only played 24 minutes. Again, I have a hard time pinning some of those fouls on him. Obviously, he picked him up, and he, he he wasn't in there for a good portion of this game. But when he was out there, he played well. And I, I'm not sure you could say any of the other guys played well. And Steve, it's it's hard to say, oh, he what, what an awful job by him. He fell out. He's playing against two lottery picks. I, I mean, Carter well, and Bagley. We said that on Friday. We right. said if Bagley plays, like, Chuku's in trouble. Carter and Bagley are both going to be top 15 picks in the draft come June. You know, they're both going to be probably starters on an NBA roster next year. Uh, I mean, you, you look at that team that they've put together, and it's like, yeah, Chuku did foul out, but you know what? Like, he, I think he played better than a lot of people have against those two this year. I thought he played pretty well defensively. Um, this game didn't come down to the defense, you know, and and I know that that you know that. And we we talked about this a little bit before the show. You held them to sixty points over forty minutes, like that's incredible. I mean, this team was averaging what eighty, and you held them to sixty on their home floor. Uh, that, at full that, strength, at full strength, right? They they got Bagley back. They had Grayson Allen. Uh, you know, Wendell Carter played a phenomenal game. So, you know it. That defensive effort is phenomenal, but they couldn't do anything offensively. Battle wasn't there. O'Shea wasn't there. O'Shea was missing everything he took. Frank wasn't there. Uh, they're just it's and now it's the second game that you've held a team to sixty points and you lose. You know, you know Bob it's, was it's the third game. It's the fourth game that you've held somebody sixty or lower. That I'm thinking off just off the top of my head that you've lost. I, I mean, you can't do that. Bob Washusen made the point uh, during the broadcast, and you know Dick Vitale, you know, kind of agreed with him. I thought it was a good point that I, I don't want to say Frank Howard and Tyus Battle, you know, shied away from the spotlight in this game because they didn't. Um, but it did feel like, didn't it feel like the 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 moment was a little big for the likes of Brissett and Dolajai and, and maybe Sadibe? Absolutely, that they were 
they didn't seem themselves. Like they seemed tentative. Like Dol- nobody was guarding Dolajai, and he was he was hesitant to shoot the ball. Now at the end of the day, you know he, he ended up taking six shots, but especially in the first half, I think he was one for three at the break, if I'm not mistaken. And he, and had, he had open he looks had in the middle of the Opportunities he just didn't take. You know, O'Shea Bursett had six turnovers in this game, two for thirteen from the field. Like that's that's not him. I mean that he he did not look like himself. Merrick Dolajai did not look like himself. Sidibe again came in. Uh, played nine minutes. He, you know, whether it's injury or whatnot, he, you know, he he didn't really do anything for them. And 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 that's what Cameron does to you, right? I mean, it's a it's a big stage. It's national TV, and these are young guys. And I think to some degree, you know, maybe the butterflies took over, especially early on in this game. I'm not saying Frank and Tyus. I mean, they've been there before and, and played in big games. And I thought Pascal did a nice job when he was out there. But everyone else, I mean, did you get that feeling that for everyone else, it felt like? Yes. The stage was a little yes. too big. Yes, I did think that. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking specifically of a play I, I, in the first half where Dolashai against the zone was the man in the middle, right? And he's on the ACC logo, like literally on the C, right in the middle of the paint, wide open. Defender is sagging off him three feet because they've already gotten burned on one Pascal lob and they don't want to do it again. And he's looking to pass to somebody down low. And it's like, no, just put the ball up. Like, just shoot. And I think that that kind of encapsulated what the issue was. You know, he wasn't looking for a shot, you know, even when he was wide open. Uh, he or Moyer or, or Brissett were at times making extra passes inside. And when you do that inside the paint, it's going to get knocked away. There are too many bodies. Uh, yeah, I, I think the freshmen uh, were a little flustered. I, I think that the freshmen were a little uh, in over their head. I think that the stage was a little too big for them. Good learning experience. I think it'll pay off maybe next year, but you're running out of time this year. Because that's really what? That's really the first hostile environment they've gone into, right? And I know I know Louisville, we've talked about it. Louisville is a tough place to play, but it didn't seem like it on that Monday night game, right? Like that big Monday game, like something was missing there in Louisville. Like Georgetown is meh, right? Like it's good. It's not crazy. Like, that's the first really intense environment this team has been thrown into that's not in favor of them. And, and Miami certainly wasn't hostile. Um, no. I would say, li- listen, the, the the win at Louisville, that's a good win. I mean, Louisville turns up the pressure at home. Oh, I'm not, I'm and, not saying it's no, not. No, but no, I, no, I know. To, to SU's credit, part you said something was missing. Part of what was missing was Louisville forcing turnovers, and that's a credit to Syracuse. They took care of the basketball, and the crowd really couldn't get into it because Syracuse— I think they only had eight turnovers that night, if I'm not mistaken. They took care of the basketball. They played well, and they didn't let Louisville, you know, play its game at home. So that's a credit to Syracuse. But you're right. I mean, Duke is another level. I mean, there's, there's a reason that Cameron Indoor is considered one of the toughest places to play. Forget about the ACC, just in college basketball. So this this was a good learning experience for these guys. I mean, because again, moving forward and, and next year, they're gonna they're gonna be good next year. I think we would all agree on that. So the fact that you know Dolajai and Bursette and Chuku and you know all the rest they they've got this experience under their belts i think it's going to help them the problem is is that you're running out of opportunities what did we say you know 2 weeks ago we said well you know it's all right there in front of them you know your your favorite know that line it is now. well it, i mean it is it is but, but it's... you you got to win i mean you the way we look at the it the path has gone from a sidewalk to a tightrope yeah that's a good way to put it the way you and i look at it they've got to win 3 in a row they got you know yes. unless yes. unless they go on a run in brooklyn which again you can't bank on but if you want to feel good on Selection Sunday, this team better beat BC at BC, better beat Clemson at home, and better win that first game in Brooklyn because it's 
most likely going to be Pitt an extra Wake game. It's going to be Pitt somebody. or Wake, and you can't afford to lose that game. Now, maybe you still get in if you beat BC and, and Clemson based on whatever happens on the bubble. But to feel good, I think you got to win three in a row. No, I, I, no I, I think you have to win three in a row to, like, Think about it because you you say no, and and here's why I say this: it's not because that third win matters, right? Like it's it's not because that third win is so great. It's not because oh you got to 21. Like no, that doesn't matter. Losing to that team, right? You can't would afford that loss. You. Now, right. the, the only way that changes is if Syracuse, in my opinion, jumps into that eight nine game, for instance. Sure. Or, or, or you know they're playing a decent team and they lose that game, and then you can say, all right, well they went nine and nine in conference. They got this non conference schedule. You know the other bubble teams they faded. But how you know, maybe Syracuse to, still gets in? How high do they have to jump though? Because losing to Pittsburgh would kill you. Losing to Wake Forest, I think, would hurt because you've already lost to them once. Losing to Georgia Tech again, I think, would hurt. Right. Because they you've would have to get to them the nine once. eight right. or nine seed. They would have to get and up they're the past 11 Tuesday, seed right, right? now. Right. You're, yes, exactly. You would have to start on Wednesday in that 8-9 game. In my opinion, you you potentially could lose that game if you won the other two and get in. I'm not saying it's a I'm it's, still not feeling it's good not if ideal. Lose that. Yeah. But but yes, you you can't beat BC and Clemson then go to the tournament, play that extra game on Tuesday and lose to Waker Pitt. You can I, you cannot or even afford BC that. or Georgia Tech. Like, right. I don't, you I don't can't afford you, to lose no. that game on Tuesday. So no. so if you're playing on Tuesday, Syracuse has to win three in a row. Or, again, if they lose one of these, go on a run in Brooklyn, but you, you can't bank on that. I mean, as we all know, they haven't even won a, a game uh, in the coming conference tournament the, yet. Coming up on the five-year anniversary of SU's last uh, conference tournament win. The Marge Affair is gone. That's how we started the show. It's how we're going to take our first break. And when we come back, we'll hear from Adrian Autry. We'll get his thoughts on what happened at Duke and what needs to happen moving forward. Keep it here. Orange Nation just getting started on ESPN Radio. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Hour number two of Orange Nation underway on ESPN Radio. Phone lines remain open. 315-437-7644. Want to talk Cuse basketball? We can certainly continue to talk about the Duke game or look ahead to, to Boston College. I, I do want to spend a little more time on you know, the eligibility concerns and this FBI probe and the payment of players and everything that's going on in college basketball. Something we can talk about, you know, this week and and for the the weeks to come because this story's not going away anytime soon. Let me ask you this, Seth. Do you see any harm in players, and I'm talking about high school kids, high school seniors, these one-and-done guys being allowed to have an agent while in school? No. None. No. Let them do it. Like I, 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 look, I said last week, I, w- I would let them have agents. I would let them profit off their likeness. I would let them get a cut of the number 25 jerseys that are very clearly Tyus Battle jerseys that we're selling up here. Uh, I, I, yes, I, I would let them have agents. See, I don't love the, you know, benefit on their likeness. Like if you're referring to, say, like an autograph signing, and I know I brought up this I would let them do commercials before. That like anything that's associated with a college, I think you have to be careful about payment, right? Like you can't say, "Hey, if you come to our school, you know, we'll set up an autograph signing for you." That's you know, we'll pay you five hundred thousand dollars, you know, and then it becomes a bidding war, and then Kentucky will say, "We'll pay six hundred thousand dollars," and Duke says, "We'll pay seven hundred thousand dollars." And I, I realize this is a you know outrageous example, but you don't want it to become a bidding war. I guess my point is, why not let why not allow them to have agents? They could be paid by the agent or, you know, given loans or whatever. It's it instead of under the table, it's out in the open. It's 
considered a loan because they're obviously not making money at school. And then when they go to the NBA, they're with this agency, and then the agent cashes in in a year. I don't. I have what, no, what's the harm? I have that? no issue with that. I have no issue with I, that. I don't see. I still think the colleges need to follow certain rules, and you give them a scholarship and cost of attendance, and and do what they're doing. But if the agents are really the problem, then let them in. Let them have representation. Look, you're allowed to have an agent as a college baseball player, as a college hockey player. Um, and I understand that the draft rules are different. I understand that there, there's differences in in how those sports are, but um, I don't understand why the rules are different for the colleges, right? Say if if you want the rules to be the same across the board, either say, "Hey, hockey player, too bad. You can't have an agent. And if you sign with an agent, you're ineligible. You got to go pro." Or say, "Basketball players and football players can have agents too. Whichever one you want to do, go for it." But like I I think that you've got to allow this to happen. And the question then becomes well, if the men's basketball players can have agents and the football players can have agents and they can sign with players, uh, you know, and they can make more money, why aren't we given the opportunity to the others, right? To any other sport that maybe is is quote unquote non revenue, um, you know, because you you think that there wouldn't be a market in some places for how about Tiger Woods the women's at Stanford? basketball player, Tiger Woods at Stanford, Katie Ledecky right now at Stanford, who's coming off gold medals in Rio. Like, there's a market for some of these athletes, and and so I I think that. Uh, you know, I, I think that there's something to this that, um, you know, maybe that's why I, I go past just saying, yeah, you can have an agent because I don't think an agent would be doing much for the women's basketball player at, you know, UConn. And it you seems know, like, like a I, lot I, of the corruption is creeping in when the schools get involved and then the coaches get involved. And, you know, Jim Beheim alluded to that after the Duke game the other night about, you know, the fact that the, the college coaches are getting involved. That's the biggest problem that, that he has with it or one of the biggest problems he has with it. And you see, you know, assistant coaches getting kickbacks and, you know, we'll steer him toward you if you give, you know, give give me a little bit of money. I'll make sure that we take care of you and I steer this kid. I mean, that's that's a big part of the problem as well. Put it all out in the open. Allow the kids to have agents. The colleges still follow rules. They don't pay the players. The agents, you know, give the players whatever they give them as as like a loan. And then when they they sign with them and and sign with them, and then they turn pro in a year, then you know the agent is able to make money off that that kid as well. Yeah, that look, I, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with going a step further. I don't know and, if I love it. It's just, I mean, I know, it's just, just I know an idea. you don't love my idea of let them kind of get what they can, but it, it's still not the schools paying them. You know, in, in my plan, like, the schools aren't paying them, and, and I know, hey, it's a booster. It's not the school. Um, you know, and, and in theory, you if you're if the school isn't paying and not setting it up, then, like, that shouldn't be a selling point in your recruiting pitch, right? And, and I think that's where then the NCAA comes in and steps in and says, hey, we know that you can probably, like, play this, but, like, that's not what the rule says, right? And that's how the rules would have to be written, like, you have no influence over that. Um, you know, there, but again, there are certain things right now that are happening. Uh, every game, Syracuse basketball tweets out a player of the game and it is sponsored. Why can they sponsor it and not give money to the player who wins player of the game? Like, there, there are really simple things that you could do right now. See, I don't, I don't like that though. I don't want the, the college to give the kid who wins player of the game money or like well, I, a sponsor would. 
Yeah, but I just why just not leave the leave the college. You and, sell you sell jerseys and you change the numbers every single year to be the best player on the team. Why can't the player whose jersey because is again, being sold? Then it becomes a bidding war. Then it becomes you know we'll give you you know a higher percentage than Kentucky's giving no, you. No, it's a flat percentage. Well, again, you you would have to have sh- very strict rules in place, and I think that's part of what you want to get away from if you're the NCAA. You want to loosen the rules a little bit. You want everybody to be on a level playing field and. You know, you don't want it to turn into the Wild West or bidding war, as as we just discussed. Uh, let's get to the phone lines here, and then we'll we'll hear from from Jim Beheim and and uh, play back those comments uh, from Saturday after the Duke game. Uh, Pat and Syracuse up next. Hey, Pat. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, some of Jim's comments I really agreed with, and a couple of them I, I thought were quite humorous. But I, um, you know, these next couple of weeks, um, they only come around once a year. And it seems like over the last couple of years, we, we've been beating the uh, bubble drum. So let's just kind of stay on course. The first thing I do want to say uh, about this matchup and Coach Autry and what you guys have said um, are all true. You know, the, the game plan didn't change. And based on Coach Beheim's comments Thursday night, I was leaning towards Bagley was being out. What did you guys think Friday afternoon? Yeah, we listen, we had um, we talked to a couple different members of the, the media down in, in the Raleigh-Durham area. Nobody thought he was playing. No. Right, right. So I, I guess my whole point with that is without Bagley, Duke's still a very good team. They absolutely are, and they could be a very competitive team without him all year. But I just felt with Syracuse's zone and without Bagley, that was that they could steal, and I thought it was a toss-up game. And I think without Bagley, it may have played out that way. It may not have, and there's, there's no reason to speculate. But I, I stand by my ground very strongly that if Syracuse's zone – and that matchup without Bagley, that could have been a toss-up game. And we and Syracuse proved it because they actually played the defense that I thought they could. They just forgot that there's two that there's two sides of the court. And I think there's a lot to be said about that. I mean, we are so focused on this zone that we forget there's other types of defense. Like our transition defense was atrocious. It, it was so bad, and our, our our inbounds plays are even worse. But moving forward here, um, I agree for the most part. These two are must wins. But I will say this. If if we don't win these two, it would be nice to get another crack at Clemson in Brooklyn. And that means you either won Tuesday and Wednesday or you won Wednesday and didn't have to play Tuesday. Um, I don't think that there's no chance that if we don't win these two games. And by the way, if, if you want to pick one out of two, it's, it's Clemson and not BC. Even though BC gives you another road win, it's not a quadrant one and not. You guys know. And Clemson is. So that, one's, uh, that Clemson game is a gift. And, and the reason I think it's a gift is because their their numbers aren't changing because their best player's gone. They're still a top 15 R, RPI team. It's a quadrant one win. And you're playing a team that doesn't have their best player. Get it done. So it's all still right in front of them. Um, it would have been nice to beat Carolina, or you can go back to Notre Dame or Wake Forest or any of these other games. But at the end of the day, we are who we are. But at the beginning of the season, I'll leave you on this because I, I know you guys got to get to a commercial. At the beginning of the year, when we had Thorpe, and even after Thompson left, and we had Howard Washington, I mean – I got to believe if Thorpe was on this team, we'd probably have at least two more wins, if not three, because Howard's playing better than anybody thought. Battle's doing everything he thought. I think Brissett is beating expectations a little bit. I'd be curious to see what you think. Moyer is way below expectations. Dolajai is pretty much giving us what we're given, what, what we thought we'd get from him. I mean, this team is right where we really thought it would be, and that is without three major players that we thought were going to be involved um, within the top eight or nine of the rotation. So it is what it is. Um, I thought I hated Carolina more than Duke, but after seeing the next Grayson Allen on the bench there, what is his name, O'Connell or O'Donnell? O'Connell, yep. 
Yeah, o- O'Connell's going to be one of these players that nobody – he, he Duke's more annoying. They got more <laughs> calls in that game than I've ever seen in my life. I mean, that even that call on Brissett was terrible. I mean, he has a right to, oh, to, to power yes. up, and that's all he did. And, and I, I, that's not a flagrant. Yeah. I, I, there are so many calls in that game. That but pl- it's I over mean, and done with. Not only was that not a flagrant, Pat, that, w- he, he, <laughs> that I was that not on Brissett. I thought it should have been a no call. I didn't think it was a foul on either of them. If anything, it like Brissett got fouled. Yes, I mean yeah. that. That yes, um, there were some bad calls in that game. It's not why they lost. I, I'll say this as well, and I know you know Pat points to Bagley and, and said he was a big difference. Obviously, he was. He scored 19 points. Let's be honest. Duke did not play well, and, no. and Duke still won by 16. And Duke was two for 18 from three point range. And we can say all we want. Well, it was the zone, and SU contested. Duke missed open shots. I mean, there was that one in particular that I pointed out earlier in the show. Gary Trent Jr., who is essentially a 50 percent yeah. three point shooter, wide open, and it just rattled in and out. It was one of those games where neither team could make anything from the outside. Um, you know, Duke shot two for 18 from three point range and won by 16. So, yes, Bagley made a difference, obviously. Syracuse wasn't winning that game either way, in my opinion. You know, yeah, you no, held them to 60 I points. I didn't think they would. But even without Bagley, Duke's still getting to 60. They'd find a different way to get to 60. Yeah. Syracuse couldn't couldn't score against Duke's 2-3 uh, zone. We are up against the clock. We'll get to Jim Beheim's comments on the FBI probe and everything going on in college basketball. That's next. Keep it here. Live from the DBOffers.com, powered by Drivers Village Studio. This is ESPN Radio. 97.7 FM, Syracuse. And 100.1 FM, Oswego. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen, Seth, back with you on a Monday edition of Orange Nation. We're with you up until 2 o'clock. Uh, more phone calls here in a moment, but let's uh, let's get to Jim Bayham's comments afterwards on everything going on in college basketball. Everybody knows for 30 years agents have been involved with players' families. This is nothing that would surprise anybody in coaching. Agents are trying to get clients. And when you have the one and done factor, they need to get them early. They can't wait four years. They go after them. That's not surprising. All right. And then he followed up uh, talking about college basketball's involvement, that obviously it's an agent problem, but recently we're hearing more and more about how it's a college basketball coach problem as well. The thing that's been surprising this year is obviously the assistant coaches being involved, and then, you know, I don't know what the facts are, and I'm not going to comment on that. As far as what what has happened in Arizona, I don't know. You know, coaches, but as far as agents, I, I don't think there's anybody that has any doubt that agents are going to talk to parents. They're in the business of getting one guy is a $10 million, and if they can get to the parents or whoever, that has nothing to do with college basketball. We can't stop that. You know, players need to know better, but not, they don't all. And you don't solve it by paying players. So let's say LeBron James played today in high school. Okay, he obviously was so good that he was a one and done. It, it wasn't would, even one I, and done. Look, he, hang I, on, would hang arrange, on. I would arrange for more than $100,000 to get LeBron. Just, just let me finish. Yeah. So if he played nowadays, he, was, he didn't have to, to go to college. Obviously, the rules are different back then. He was so good that coming out of high school, he's the number one pick in the NBA draft. What is the harm if the rules stay the same with the NBA? If you have to go to school, go to college for one year, or be you know one year removed from high school, what is the harm 
in allowing LeBron, the high school senior, to sign with an agent. And again, the schools can't pay him or anything, but the agent can do whatever they want. They can give him you know, some money or buy him a car or whatever the case may be. And then a year later, after he goes to Duke and plays for his year or Kentucky or wherever it may be, he goes to the NBA, he's the number one pick, and the agent cashes in There's as well. There's no harm. What's, what's the harm in that? There's none. There's none. It's it's really simple. There's no harm. There's no harm. I, I also look. I, I know we disagree on this one. I don't think there's much harm in saying, "Hey, you're you're allowed to sign autographs, or you're allowed to do a local commercial." Like I I don't think there's much harm in this. Like letting guys get what simply what they're worth. Right. The like, problem with that their, you asked what, what, what their the name harm and is. their face is worth. The harm with that is that. You would have to have strict regulations. That's fine. So with what they could it. get or what they couldn't get. If you're, if there's a business relationship between an agent and an athlete, like that's up to the agent. Once you start getting into, well, we'll pay you for signing autographs, or we'll pay you for selling your jerseys, or I mean, then you're again the whole you know slippery slope or Pandora's box or you know like, all, the, all the cliches. That then you open yourself up for you know you need heavy regulations. But like with that. here's here's a here's a, a an example, you know. If we wanted to have a weekly interview with a player like we do with the coaches, why can't we set that up and and pay the player for his time? Because again, if we wanted to do if we wanted to do a weekly show, right? But but again, with a player, why can't we do that? That's why that's where the regulations come in because you know the Big Blue Nation radio network in Kentucky will pay said player X amount of dollars, whereas you know the Right, but they, but but Georgetown Radio Network pays them way less, or but whatever that's the case all part may be. of it, isn't well, it? I mean, Syracuse gets more coverage than Boston College. The players have more value in Syracuse than they do in Boston. That's all part of the game. It stinks, I don't but like the, it's I don't capitalism. The, I don't want the colleges involved in paying the players. They wouldn't be in a way. They would be though. No, they wouldn't. In that because scenario, of geography. They would be. In that scenario, you I would don't be think though. So. I don't like that. You want to take it a little bit too far, in my opinion. Uh, let's go back to the phone line. Scooter and Jamesville up next on Orange Nation. Hey, Scooter. Hey, guys. How you doing, man? I've been talking about that on another day because uh, you know, that thing's not going to go away until whenever. But uh, just one quick comment I'd like to do before the SU game. If the agents get involved and you worry about fathers telling a play, their sons not to play because they're hurt, just wait till the agents get a hold of them. If there's a slight ankle sprain, he's got money invested. He's going to listen to the agent not to play the game. You and still have that. You still have that. Can the worms on that part, Scooter? You still have that in college football with guys not playing in bowl games. You Absolutely. still have that. But, but it's going to go one step farther. It's yeah. going to be in the regular season. Uh, well, maybe, but I mean that—that's yeah. their right. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, that's what I'm saying. The girl, up in arms because the father told the son not to play because his ankles hurt. Just wait till the agent gets involved. Yeah. But Fair anyway, point. I'm, the thing I'm concerned about, and I said this earlier in the season. If we have nine wins, which you know, I brought up the premise about about a month ago, and four of them are against two teams, I mean in Pittsburgh and Boston College, that means we're five and nine in the rest of the in the rest of the league, and we haven't beaten base anybody in the, in the higher tier. I wonder. I wonder if the human element starts taking toll when they go into the committee room, and that starts being discussed because there's still got to be, even though there's a you know a, a tier one win, there's got to be a big difference of beating a, a Duke than maybe a a Buffalo or something like that, even though they're both tier one wins or something like that. So yeah. that's the part I'm kind of concerned about right now. Yeah, yeah. Scooter, I'm with you. Forget the human element. Uh, if four of their wins are, you know, if if they if if they've got you know nine wins in conference, if they finish with that, 
and most of your wins are against the bottom half of the conference, you know what? It's going to show up. It's going to show up in the quadrants. It's going to show up in your RPI. It's going to show up in your Kempom. It's going to be obvious that who you beat. And I do agree. I think there. I don't think all quadrant one wins are created equal. I think there's a big difference between beating Miami on the ho- at home versus on the road. I think there's a big difference in beating Miami on the road versus a Clemson or a Duke or a Carolina. Um, I, I think that there is a big difference um, in those games. If Syracuse beats Clemson and gets to nine and nine, the computers are going to like Syracuse. Probably, you're going to have three legit wins in that quadrant one: Clemson at Miami at Louisville. You're going to have a very good non-conference schedule. You're going to have a bunch of road victories. I think the computers are going to are going to like Syracuse just fine. And yeah, there's a human will. element, but you know, if you're nine and nine and you you've got a, a good RPI, is the committee going to hold it against them that they you know beat BC twice and beat Pitt twice? At the end of the day, probably I, not. I, I don't think so. Uh, take the you know get these two wins first and then worry and then about, worry the rest about later. it later yeah uh, let's get one more phone call in in this segment uh dave and syracuse up next in orange nation hey dave hey guys uh yeah to jump on on your your idea about uh, letting get agents um not only what uh the scooter just mentioned but what i'm what i'm seeing happening with that is and i'll tell you who loves your idea obviously for obvious reasons agents love your idea not only because of be able to, to sign a kid up, but now all that dirty money the colleges are paying the kids is going to go to agents. There's some way that's going to mess it up, and you're going to see agents attaching themselves to certain schools, steering kids there, and colleges paying paying agents to get a kid to go to their school instead of the kid themselves. Yeah, well, basically, this, this is what I would say to that, Dave. People like people who are dirty, are, like are, cheaters, are going to find a way to cheat. So you're not going to be able to completely. And and there's still guys in baseball that that you know are doing <laughs> yeah. steroids or PEDs or whatever whatever it may be. And they say, well, it's, it's worth my while because I have a guaranteed contract, and if I get dinged, I'll still make my money. Cheaters are going to cheat. You're not going to completely clean up the sport. I just think if you if agents are really at the root of the problem, if you put that part of it on the table and say, hey. This kid's good enough to be one and done. He's going to the NBA. Let him hire an agent. Let him figure out that process. And then the agent can cash in, you know, after his freshman year in college. And and I understand what you're saying. It's a good point. I don't love the idea either. I just don't know I just don't know what the answer is. So I don't yeah, I, I think that, that is as good an hang answer. Hang on, give, give Dave a chance to, to respond here. Dave yeah. Dave, do you have I mean, do you have a solution? I don't. I mean, if there's maybe a way a kid could sign with an agent after he's already at a school, um, maybe that could that could help it. And when you can go with your idea, I you know there there's so many different ways that that uh, keep this thing uneven. Unfortunately, I don't know if there's a good way. Except first of all, get rid of the one and done. If a kid's just going to school to to um, get ready for the NBA, there, there's no point in doing that anymore. And maybe college basketball just takes a hit on the talent level. Yeah, but they but would they take a hit on that much? Like how many kids a year went out of high school? And I think Jim Beheim mentioned this at some point. What was it? Eight kids? Oh, I think it was more than that. Was it? I think so. I don't. No, I'm, I meant a year. Yeah, six, I think I think six, it was more than that. I don't, I don't know. I think it was more than that. I I do think as well. You know, the NBA teams didn't love it because it was hard to scout some of those kids, and they would end up with a player that didn't pan out because they didn't get to see him. You know, play college basketball. They're playing you against mean, high school kids. You mean it's easier to know if a player is good playing against Duke and Carolina than if they're playing against JD and yeah, exactly CNS. Um, 
And, you know, in other cases, guys would go pro, they'd sign with an agent, and they wouldn't get drafted, or they'd be out of the league. You know, they'd go in the second round, they'd be out of the league instantaneously, and, you know, they have no other recourse. They can't go back to school. Um, you know, maybe, and I know we've touched on this before, maybe they adopt something like what like college baseball, baseball does. I like the baseball You can role. either go, if you're, if you're LeBron, you go after your senior year in high school. If you're not... Then you got to go. The baseball rules three, three years, years, but you know maybe it, maybe two? it's two years. I'm fine with two. Maybe it's two years to co- you know you got to go to college for two years. Then you at least have to stay eligible. Now I mean guys go to school for like five months, and you know once January hits, they they could stop going to class. Uh, we got to take another time out. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. Live from Armory Square. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. I've been waiting for this last segment all day. Uh, <laughs> I just so, told you about it half an hour ago. Well, ever since you told me. No, it was more than that. 45 minutes ago. Didn't you tell me before the show started? No. Well, the anticipation is building. (laughs) So apparently Seth uh, put together his own version to one shining moment over the weekend. Yeah. And he is actually going to try and sing it for us I can't sing. Are you going to hit the high notes? No, I I don't think so. I think my voice is going to crack. I give you a lot of credit for it's, doing this on live radio. It's going to be bad. Uh, I, Max and yeah. I are, just turn off my mic. Max and I are going to sit back and listen. No, and I'll turn the mics off. To our listeners of Central on. New York, uh, enjoy. Seth, and and I, I apologize. Seth, take it away. There's a long intro. There is a long intro. You can warm up, clear your throat, take a drink of water if you need it. <clears throat> Got to get ready. The anticipation is building. Good luck. We're all counting on you. The feds were tipped. And there you are. You paid 100K for the rising star. And all these years, no one knew you were cheating the whole time. And now you're screwed. Good start. <laughs> for one shining moment, it's all you wanted. For one shining moment, the payments were made. Man, I was off. That's okay. Keep it going. Get back on time. But it was more than just your school. Everybody was involved. Coaches and agents, too. The kids got paid like they should. All you wanted was the best, but you really lose. <laughs> that was better. <laughs> One shining moment, you paid for the win. One shining moment, you did it again. I give you a lot of credit for doing this. <laughs> Keep going. You thought you were safe. It was almost March. The players are leaving, and now so are you. <laughs> I can't hit that note. No, you gotta hold that for a I while. I can't. No, I can't do that. There's now a, a music break. Paulie's just uh, his his face in the window, just shaking his head. This is absolutely going in the podcast. And when but... it's done. In or out, they're breathing down your neck. Cause inside you knew that one shining moment was really a fraud. One shining moment you knew 
One shining moment, it wouldn't come through. One shining moment. (laughs) (laughs) I told you, I can't sing. There we go. I'll let him do it. Oh, Luther. Oh, I just butchered a great song. I apologize. Oh, God. I give you a lot of credit. <laughs> and for it doing was on that. time too. It was. I hey, I I I hit the out. I had it matched up with the words. How long did you spend on that yesterday? Uh not that long. Did you practice singing it at all? No. Oh my goodness, no. <laughs> it showed. It did I show. can't uh, sing. But good job with the lyrics. Thank you. That was- See, I got uh Stuart Mandel tweeted something out, and then I, I like tweeted out the feds are tip part, and then he tweeted a little more and You were inspired. I was. I was inspired to go write the rest of it. So, and you purposely want to do this in the last segment so we could not take calls, so people could not oh, make I, fun of I you. I don't care. I'm I'm a terrible singer. If you want to make fun of me, well, we will get at it. Well, it's going to be all over our social <laughs> media. In once we minutes, get off the so. air, we we will make fun oh, of you. Oh, please do. Uh, but I do give you a lot of credit for doing that. Uh, we are out of time, and with that, have a great day, everybody. We'll talk to you again at noon tomorrow.